for all of your Wisconsin Badgers news from the recruiting trail, on the field, and near the rim. This is the Badger Blitz Podcast. If you want to be a Badger, just come along with me by the bright shiny light of the moon. On Overtime Media. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Of course, powered by Overtime Media. This is senior writer Jay Kokorowski. We have John McNamara, our editor, recruiting analyst for BadgerBlitz.com, here with me in the Vivid Seats studio. And, of course, use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First-time customers only. Wisconsin pulls away then holds on to a 24-22 win over the number 18 Iowa Hawkeyes inside Camp Randall Stadium on Saturday, which midway through the game became what you could call a night game with daylight savings time helping with the assist there. Of course, a lot to get to with that. We'll talk some basketball as well. After the break, we're going to talk Nate Reavers, Kobe King, poor three-point shooting, among other topics with the basketball squad. But first, let's, of course, more immediate news. John, Wisconsin holds on. They get back on track. They hold on to the Heartland Trophy, which for those that did not see, check t- our Twitter account. And also on Facebook, we put up videos of the celebration with the Pig Bowl or whatever they want to call that trophy. But, John, it was a big win, and it allows Wisconsin now to get back on track and still stay within the Big Ten West race. Right. And, you know, they they needed to rebound from two straight losses in, in order to, you know, accomplish some of the, the goals that they set forth at the start of the year. Um, you know, that's going to be a little bit more difficult after watching Minnesota beat uh, Penn State to start the day. But, uh, you know, Wisconsin can only control what they can control. And, um, you know, they, they beat a pretty good Iowa team uh, that was, you know, kind of hanging around. And then you, you thought that uh, Wisconsin was in com- control, but then they came back. So, um, you know, it, that's, that's a, you know, the type of game that you expect when the, these two teams meet, I know that sounds kind of cliche, but, um, you know, for Wisconsin to come out on top is important. Um, it kind of keeps a lot of the things in line that they want to, uh, accomplish this month. And, um, you know, one of the biggest takeaways for me at least was, you know, Jonathan Taylor kind of getting back to Jonathan Taylor, uh, 250 yards on 31 carries, um, you know, credit the offensive line, which has been a group that's, uh, been under a lot of criticism, you know, the last couple weeks, you know, specifically Illinois and in Ohio State. Um, I, I thought they did an excellent job in the run blocking, uh, pass blocking. Um, you know, I thought was good too, but you know, specifically run blocking, I thought they did a very, very good job. Uh, kind of got back to form there. Um, so you know, it 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 starts up front, obviously, with Wisconsin. I think that you know, big reason why Wisconsin came out on top was the offensive line, uh, which obviously you know, opens up everything for Jonathan Taylor, uh, who, you know, kind of went back to that elite status uh, on Saturday against Iowa. Absolutely. And with that run game as well, for those that chart this, according to that broadcast, Wisconsin ran eight chunk plays. Chunk plays are just in terms of run game, 10 yards or more. So they ran the, they had eight of those. Two of them came big in the fourth quarter, one of 36, one of 42 yards. Based off of what Iowa did earlier this year, they allow, they did not allow a rush of over 20 yards this season up until Saturday. Wisconsin gets two big ones at the end. That 42-yarder essentially sealed the win, and Wisconsin moving to 7-2 and two on the season. For me, really, it I'll go, go a little bit maybe more of a 
smaller thing, but stretching the field for Wisconsin in terms of the vertical passing game, you saw Wisconsin return more to that. Jack Cohn, there's one deep pass where Cephas, you know, basically there was a penalty, a pass interference penalty, which led to, it was on a drive that led to a touchdown. But then in the second half, you saw Cone hit Cephas for a 52 yard gain and then a 27 yard touchdown that you're seeing, you know, people were asking about it, clamoring for it, having that ability to stretch the field vertically and having the receiving targets that they do where we've seen Kendrick Pryor have two 30 plus yard receptions. And of course what Sevis did against central Michigan and even the 26 yarder against Michigan in the third game of the year on a fourth and two fourth and three, really Wisconsin needs to keep defenses honest that way. And you saw that more on Saturday. And, and I know going forward, it's going to be needed against definitely Minnesota at the end of the year, but of course, it'll help against Purdue and Nebraska, two teams Wisconsin can has normally run well against, but it can only help in keeping those defenses honest too. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that was something that I was looking, you know, towards or looking to maybe see. You know, this game was Wisconsin to open it up a little bit more. Um, you, you saw those deep beat balls to to Cephas. I'm sure there's a pocket of fans who want a bit more, but um, I, I think that's important because you have the receivers. Um, to do that, you know, obviously Cephas, but you know, you saw Danny Davis kind of reemerge yesterday as well. I was surprised to hear that, you know, his his first score uh, was his first score of the season. I mean, he's he's an ultra talented guy who uh, has been kind of quiet through you know the first handful of games. And you know, when you're winning like they were early, uh, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't get talked about as much. But you know, in back to back losses, you start to look. Well, could they involve the receivers more? And, you know, I think they did a better job of that. And, I, you know, it's something that you'd certainly like to see moving forward as well. But, you know, you, you can't complain when, you know, Jonathan Taylor runs for 250 yards. Uh, Nakia Watson ran the ball pretty well, too, I thought, in, in, in the carries that he got. And then, you know, Danny Davis's little scamper, too, to get to the end zone was good, too. So, um, overall, the offense was good. Um, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot you can complain about there. Now, looking on the flip side of the ball with defense, Wisconsin gives up under 300 yards, 295. And Iowa came into the game – Averaging nearly 400, it was about 393, if I'm not mistaken. That 75-yard touchdown from Nate Stanley to Tyrone Tracy kind of skews the numbers a bit because Stacy or because Stanley finished the game with 208 passing yards. But uh, overall, a good effort for Wisconsin. One of nine on third downs. Iowa was didn't get to the quarterback. Uh, but my, my takeaway, I guess, with this, John. I'll go that two-point conversion. I wrote about it on badgerblitz.com, which will be going up in a little bit. We're, we're recording on Sunday, late Sunday morning, so that'll be up in a little bit. But just talking about how, and Zach Pond put it a great way, where it basically symbolized the rivalry between the two programs. Very physical. After giving up a big play, Wisconsin's defense, mano a mano, you know, strength on strength. Chris Orr meets Nate Stanley, who is a big figure, 243 pounds, according to Iowa's roster, six foot four, holds him up. Eric Burrell comes really quickly there, almost at the same time as Orr, helps him out. And then you see a bunch of Badgers swarm to stop any momentum at that one yard line. And officials, of course, ruled it, you know, that he did not get in. And official, you know, the official review confirmed that. 
Wisconsin holds on. And I think that key takeaway is having a, you know, quick memory, big play given up. They knew it was the ball game, or at least it would tie up the ball game. And you don't know what would happen with the offense. They held the lead after giving up a big play and Mike takeaway, the quick memory for them led to them holding on to the victory. You know, I, I think that that does sum it up really well. I mean, that, you know, the two point conversion uh, between those two programs and, you know, Stanley going in, being a Wisconsin kid, um, trying to get in the end zone and tie the ball game up. I, I think it sums up the two programs pretty well. Um, you know, great quote by uh, Chris Orr after I think um, Zach Heilprin had the video of it on, on Twitter. Uh, you know, Stanley is, weighs more than Chris Orr does. And then when asked about that or when he was reminded of that or said he's not squatting 600 pounds. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that was a great play. Um, it was – um, you know, a time when, you know, Iowa's got a little bit of momentum, they go in and, and they're able to tie the game if they, if they convert that, but, you know, Wisconsin stuffs them, um, it, you know, it, it's a, it's kind of a gut check there. And obviously Wisconsin was able to salt out the clock after that. So yeah, it was, it was a great play. And I that you wrote about, it. I'm sure that, um, you know, fans are going to want to read about that, that specific play because yeah, it, it kind of defines the rivalry of, you know, two programs that, uh, you know, have a very similar identity and, um, you know, they, they consistently play pretty close ball games, regardless of, of where they're ranked. And on top of that too, both, both, you know, bond brought it up initially, but he had said that they did not expect a draw play there, which kudos to Iowa th- for throwing in a wrinkle. And yeah, he's not a mobile quarterback, but to me, in my eyes, that obviously trying to catch uh, an opposing defense off guard like that one that, or, and bond were both going back in coverage. That was he. That's a a tricky play call there, and you see, or that you'll hear it, you'll see it in the article talking about how he had to respond. And big stop, obviously, took away two points where it held on to twenty four twenty two, and Wisconsin now, like I said, uh, now four and two in the Big Ten. But John, just touch base on maybe a handful of other topics before we turn to recruiting, just from this game. Wisconsin with the offensive line did not necessarily rotate in their guards. I, I asked Tyler Biotish about it just to confirm, but it, based off of what was seen, it looked like Jason Erdman was at right guard. David Mormon, the redshirt senior, it looks like maybe he's locked in that left guard spot, uh, you know, for Wisconsin. And, and maybe this might be a sign of things to come going forward. Yeah, it, it, could be the lineup that you see throughout and like you said you know maybe the lineup that you see throughout the game um you know through the first you know handful of, of games that they rotated some guys in uh Caden Lyles Josh Seltzner um but you know maybe they've kind of settled on on this group and and think that this is the best unit moving forward and you know they want to have some consistency there um you know Mormon is a guy at the start you know even going back to spring ball I know that uh, Joe Rudolph mentioned him as a guy who was performing really well and then, you know, during fall camp, he is kind of a jack of all trades, uh, you know, played a little bit of tight end, played tackle, uh, could probably play center if you needed him to. But, you know, maybe found a home now at left guard. And um, it, it's not the lineup that you penciled in at the start of fall camp, but um, maybe it's the lineup that, that's working best right now. And, you know, Mormon obviously being a fifth year senior, um, you know, he, he's stuck with this program when maybe, you know, he's maybe other guys would have looked at some other options to transfer, but. Um, you know, he's, he's put in his time here and, um, he's certainly been a valuable part of this Wisconsin offense in, in his final season. 
for sure on Tuesday, I'll make sure to ask offensive coordinator Joe Rudolph about that, where maybe this would be, you know, I'd ask Tyler, Tyler Biotish about it. And he, he praised Mormon and what he's done in terms, you know, this season. And, but I'll make sure to ask Joe Rudolph and I'm sure others will too on Tuesday when he has his availability, just if that this is going to be the line going forward for, unless you see, you know, Josh Scheltzner and Caden Lyle step up more. So that, that's something I'm going to keep in my back pocket in a couple of days when we talk to him. One other thing about the offense, Jack Cohn, overall, good game, 16 to 25. I guess overall speaking for a Wisconsin quarterback, 173 yards, two touchdown passes, one interception. And that's the part I want to talk about, especially and along with that strip sack, which I don't think is his fault, obviously, with getting hit by the blind side. But this is the third time in two games that he's had a strip sack. And then it's just, you know, in three games, it's two interceptions that could have been critical and both led to field goals for that matter. I don't think it's an issue, but do you think it's something to watch John? Um, I don't, I don't think it's an issue. I don't think we're entering, you know, Alex Hornbrook territory here. Um, you know, the strip stacks, that's, that's not on cone that that's on the offensive line. And, um, you know, the interceptions, uh, you, you know, the, the one against Iowa is maybe his worst, uh, you know, of, of the three that he has so far this season. Uh, but if you're talking about a guy who has three interceptions through this many games, I think you're in a very good place. Uh, so, I, you know, I think it's a non-issue. Um, he, it was a bad ball that uh, that he threw. I think he was trying to hit uh, Jake Ferguson there. So, you know, just a bad ball, a bad read. But it, we're, we're not in a position where, you know, you're, you're worried about Cone's accuracy uh, at this point with three interceptions through, uh, you know, at this point of the season. Right. And, and just to let people know too, if you guys read the five things that Badger Blitz learned from the game, I had a quote in there from Cone basically stating that he thought it was a cover zero coverage, which is basically zero deep defenders, basically all man to man coverage. And then they went into a cover two and that's, it was disguised. Well, he made a poor decision admittedly from what he had told me. And that's what led to the interception there. So Going forward to with the offense, maybe one more thing, 11 personnel. For those that don't know, I chart a lot of the personnel for Wisconsin. I'll have a column up on Tuesday talking about it. Gives us a good, just a good look at what Wisconsin's doing in terms of who are they using it and when are they using it? They're using a lot of three wide receiver sets and that 11 personnel means one running back, one tight end. And then there's three wide receiver sets there, but you're seeing, I mean, Paul Christ had a, a note about, or there's a question about it from Tom Oates of the Wisconsin State Journal back last Monday. And he said, or he had asked just about the use of the three wide receiver sets. And you know, Paul Chris mentioned it's it's their main set. You know, it's their main grouping there. And you're seeing more out of that where there is an extremely deep wide receiver group where you have Cephas, Davis, A.J. Taylor, and Kendrick Pryor. But, and, along, and along with Jake Ferguson, so great receiving targets. But they're also running the ball. And from what I saw, I'm going to have more of an in-depth look on it coming up later this week. But they're also running the ball well out of that look, too. Right. And it's it's been a popular topic uh, throughout the season. And for good reason. I think you've done a great job, Jake, breaking it down. Um, and, you know, the, the, the positives of that and the negatives of that and uh, you know, all that goes into it. But, um, you know, they, they certainly performed all well yesterday. 
Um, and you know, I think it starts up front too. I mean, regardless of, of, of what you're choosing to do and the formations you're choosing to use, um, you know, when, when you block, well, you know, everything kind of looks better. And you, you saw that Saturday against Iowa. Yeah. And just, this is the quote from Chris, just so I have that correct. Basically he said last year, that was our number one personnel group this year. It is as well, but I think some of it has to have some impact. We're in it. People know it. I'd say five years ago when we were in it, it was different because it was different because we were, weren't going to be in it much. It was more of a passing type situation. Here we are trying to run the ball a little bit more out of it. So again, something to watch there and we'll see how the offense continues to evolve and uh, we'll see just what defenses throw. Cause maybe Wisconsin against Nebraska, against a team that right now gives up just under 175 yards on the ground. Maybe they go to more, 21 or 12 personnel where they have a couple tight ends or they use the fullbacks more and they try to just wear down Nebraska, which I think is a very good chance of that happening. We'll have more on that later this week, but defensively, you know, one big injury from yesterday's game, nose tackle Bryson Williams. We don't have any updates on that by any stretch uh, right now. Paul Chris did not give necessarily any answer about what happened. Uh, he mentioned that he heard something during the game, but, uh, you know, he's, he, he wasn't going to comment on it against a physical team like Iowa. It did not necessarily hurt them in the end, but depending upon how long he's out, that's a tough loss. It looked like the left knee, the one that, you know, and we don't know exactly what happened, but again, uh, depth on the defensive line is critical for Wisconsin success. And that could take a hit coming up going forward too. Yeah, and then you know, listening to the television broadcast, I, I think the announcer thought that Keanu Benton and Bryson Williams were the same person. Uh, he kept on talking about Williams and the role he played, and obviously, you know, Benton played a big chunk of that game, and he he started if I if I'm remembering correctly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it it hurts the depth, um, but you know, I think that you know Keanu Benton's been playing extremely well, and you'll see his workload increase. Um, the broadcast also did say that they thought they have, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm just kind of remembering back here, but, you know, something to the effect of it was, you know, they they received better news than they they anticipated with him. Um, the camera kind of showed him walking uh, on crutches uh, with, you know, some a, a cast not or a, you know, something on his leg, you know, on the sidelines, uh, you know, walking with crutches. So, again, you don't want to speculate too much and obviously Paul Kristen you know confirm or you know really speak much to that so um you know I guess we'll have to wait for the injury report on Monday um and, and just kind of see exactly what's up but I think you have to be encouraged by you know Keanu Benton's play uh, as a true freshman I think he's been he's been very very good so far uh you know this this season yep and we we wrote about that earlier th- uh, this past week on Badger Bliss talking about what he's done so far Against Iowa, according to Pro Football Focus, the early looks against the Hawkeyes, third on the defense in terms of rating, 68.4. I think on the year, he's 68.6 through the eight games he's played. So, again, uh, a true freshman stepping up that I didn't necessarily think he would, uh, that he thought he, you know, that he would, being maybe a little bit raw than I thought uh, coming out of Janesville Craig, but he's a quick learner and he's using that wrestling background to his advantage for sure. In terms of penalties, they had eight on Saturday, John. But maybe the one thing that I got, I was a little, I don't know if I say intrigued or concerned or whatnot, but the false start penalties, two were against the wide receivers. 
But then there were also some illegal formation penalties. I know Paul Chris mentioned he wasn't necessarily thrilled with one of the calls uh, with, with their imbalanced front, but procedural pr- penalties will hurt. Uh, there's one on fourth and two where they had the wildcat formation. Jack Cohn was split out left and David Mormon has a false start as well. And those can come back to bite a team, especially in divisional play. That kind of, you know, when you know, jumping off sides and that kind of stuff, that kind of brought you back to some of the issues that they had last season. Now, when they were calling, you know, for uh, in, in the backfield or something like that. Again, going back to the TV broadcast, uh, Paul Chris was heated. I mean, he was in the face of the official screaming at him and obviously words that we're not going to use on the podcast. But, uh, yeah, it, he was he was fired up about that. So, I mean, I guess my take on that is Wisconsin was doing what they were coached to do, and there was some sort of, uh, you know, disagreement with Chris and, and the official as to what was actually going on. So, uh, yeah, the false starts and stuff like that are, are kind of inexcusable. The formation stuff seemed to be more of we wanted it to do this way. This is the way we coached it. You're calling it this way, and we're not, uh, we are not seeing eye to eye, to put it lightly there. It's funny because I, I was going through my DVR because I rewatched the two-point conversion play for the article I wrote, and I briefly saw the face of Paul Chris. I didn't, like, stop it, but he seemed pretty animated uh, on the TV telecast, so very interesting to see uh I'll have to yeah back I, and look at I mean just play. just thinking about <laughs> the last handful of years I, I don't know that there's been a time where he's been that fired up to, to be honest with you and obviously you know you don't see every reaction but it's up there with the with the Miami turnover chain stuff although I think he was more happy about that uh that's that's about as animated as you're gonna see Paul Christ two different spectrums of of emotion from Paul <laughs> with with that Last thing before we talk about recruiting, how do you talk to your kids, John, about an undefeated Minnesota squad that took it to Penn State yesterday? Yeah, it's a conversation you never thought you'd have to have. Um, <laughs> you know, credit, you know, credit Minnesota. I, I, I didn't think that they were legit. You know, on Friday and now on Sunday, I mean, they're legit. I, I think that uh, you know they they got guys on both sides of the ball. They have playmakers on offense, and you know they beat a really, really good uh, Penn State team. And, you know, now they're they're looking at, you know, remaining undefeated and they have the inside track to, to get to Indianapolis from the Big Ten West. And, uh, you know, that game uh, against Wisconsin to finish the season, that, that that's going to be a tough contest going into Minnesota to try to get that ax back. Um, you know, they're, they're obviously playing well. Uh, Wisconsin's going to need some help, you know, now probably from Iowa, uh, you know, moving forward here. But, yeah, I mean Minnesota's legit, and you know as much as it irks people, I'm sure uh, you have to give some a lot of that credit to uh, to PJ Fleck. I think he's he's done some very good things there, and uh, you know they're, they're certainly playing good football right now. Yeah, give credit where credit is due, but also Sean Clifford having one of his worst days, three interceptions, and some of the play calling. We I was watching it in the press box and just was confounded when you're within the ten yard line and first and goal, and you don't get any points out of it. That that's rough. Penn State should have won that game, in my opinion. But like you said, I do give credit to Minnesota on that for the energy that they brought out. Uh, and and you saw uh, our my friend Danny Cunningham, who used to work at the Zone here in Madison, had had a great tweet showing the you saw the emotion for that program. Now you're getting to the point where both schools, both teams, Wisconsin and Minnesota, 
have good teams and it's going to be a you know in terms of you know nationally recognized in the polls it's going to be very interesting now it's not a one-sided affair anymore and you see what was you know minnesota can do on the ground and through the air especially you know what tanner morgan's doing really that offense is humming very nicely i think wisconsin could run on them but for now but that contest up in the twin cities and we'll be there badger blitz will be there in a few weeks uh, it, there could be the Big Ten West Championship on the line. However, like you mentioned, John, they need help in Iowa. I mean, after a big emotional high, that'll be something to watch this upcoming week and what they can do against the Hawkeyes. And and obviously, Wisconsin won't be necessarily scored, scoreboard watching, but everyone else outside the program will to see what happens, especially uh, down in Iowa City. And maybe if Iowa can't get the job done maybe the abyss of ryan field could take care uh and, and maybe upend minnesota though i don't really see that happening with the way pat fitzgerald's team is playing right now john let's go to recruiting before we take this break who showed up and have we heard anything yet from those that uh did yeah you know we got a bunch of uh calls in so far today a bunch of messages in uh to try to talk to the guys that were on campus um you know obviously there's you look at both football and basketball, there's one big target for each. Uh, starting with basketball, you know, you look at Julian Roper. He was on campus uh, this weekend, and he's, you know, one of those big pieces for Wisconsin, the 2021 class. Uh, has not committed. He sent out a tweet with, you know, some Wisconsin pictures in it saying not committed. Um, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that he won't, you know, announce something at this point today or later. You know, we, we you look at Matthew Moore's, uh, you know, a few weekends ago. And, uh, you know, I talked to him and he gave me a full interview, got up a story. And then 10 minutes later, he announced his commitment to Wisconsin. So I don't know what's going to happen with Roper. I know that Wisconsin is doing you know, an excellent job in his recruitment. Um, I, I certainly feel like uh, the Badgers are out front for him in terms of, you know, being there from the start and you know, getting him on campus for an official visit. Um, you know, if he wants to, you know, extend things, it would mean that he wants to see, you know, probably some more schools. And, you know, that's, certainly um, understandable you know guys committing in the 2021 class for hoops is is pretty early um, you know they haven't even started their junior season yet so um, we'll, we'll try to get in touch with uh, with Roper at some point today and hopefully get a story up as soon as possible and then you know maybe the biggest visitor or probably the biggest visitor of the weekend uh, for both football and basketball uh, Jalen Berger the running back uh, from from New Jersey was on campus uh, four-star kid, and obviously that's the one remaining big position of need in the 2020 class for the Badgers. And uh, you know, obviously Ron Dane was was in the building, uh, a Jersey guy. You got to see a Jersey guy and Jonathan Taylor uh, run wild uh, yesterday against a, a good Iowa team. And I'm sure that message was being communicated to Berger that you will be or you will have a chance to be the next in line of these great New Jersey guys coming to Wisconsin have a great deal of success. So I'm um, hoping to get in contact with him today as well. Um, you know, he's one of the top prospects in the country at a position of need for the Badgers. So um, I, I think that, you know, you probably couldn't have laid the game out much better against Iowa to try to showcase a running back that that's on his official visit to Wisconsin. And of course, Wisconsin took care of business on Saturday against Iowa. And for those Badger faithful wanting to make it out to Lincoln, for Wisconsin, Nebraska, a another rivalry game for the Freedom Trophy. 
Look no further than Vivid Seats, and Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the very nice Vivid Seats app. And to make it things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back called Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. And when it's time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Now let's take a quick break. Come back. We'll wrap up the show with some quick basketball talk as non-conference play kicks up. Badgers 1-1. One and one. We'll talk about the good, the bad, and what's next for Greg Gard and company here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Of course, folks, we're now entering the middle of November. I can't believe we're almost near Thanksgiving and Christmas time, but let's focus on November because we this past weekend you saw some great college football, Minnesota, Penn State, of course, LSU, Alabama, maybe not Ohio State and Maryland, but you saw a great rivalry matchup between Wisconsin and Iowa as well. Of course, you name it, my bookie is the place to get in on all the action. If you're the kind of person who likes to bet to a little to win a lot, try a parlay. Of course, props, futures, and in-game betting is available on my bookie, NFL lines, NBA lines, NHL, and of course, college basketball. But if you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code OVERTIME to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code OVERTIME to take advantage of my bookie's generous sign up offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Wrapping up this edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, I'm Jay Kokorowski, senior writer. We got John McNamara, editor, recruiting analyst. Thanks for allowing us to make some money with those ads you just heard a couple minutes ago. But turning our attention to the Wisconsin Badgers basketball program, the men's basketball program, sitting one and one, an overtime loss to St. Mary's last Tuesday and on Friday recognizing Howard Moore emotional ceremony to start the game or before the game. But Wisconsin holds on for a 65 52 victory inside the Cole center against Eastern Illinois. John, what are just some of your general impressions from this team through? It's very early. The sample size is very low, but what are some of the impressions you have of this team through a couple of contests? Yeah, you know, there's, like you said, small sample size. Uh, I think, you know, right away people got very upset about a neutral floor loss to a, you know, a ranked team uh, to start the season without, you know, one of your better players. Uh, so, you know, I think one of the things that you've seen is maybe the the development of Liam Ford, uh, who's looked a little bit more, uh, you know, well-rounded on the offensive end, I guess, the first handful of seasons. Uh, you know, you, you saw him shoot a lot of threes. Uh, you know, you've seen him get to the basket a little bit more. I think that's, uh, you know, certainly, uh, uh, you know, something that Wisconsin is going to need. Uh, Nate Reavers had a big game against Eastern Illinois, um, you know, almost getting a triple-double. I think that's certainly certainly a positive. Uh, I think moving forward, you're going to, you know, maybe want to see what he can do closer to the basket 
uh, you know, posting up and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, it looks like Reavers is taking another big jump. Uh, Kobe King has shown you some flashes as well. Um, you know, in the backcourt, you know, you're still kind of some uneven play. Again, like you said, Jake, very small sample size. Uh, you know, Davison and, and Trice, um, you know, Wisconsin's not particularly deep in, in the front court behind, you know, Ford right now and Reavers, uh, you know, Nate Hedstrom, I'm sorry, not Nate Hedstrom, uh, Joe Hedstrom, you've seen kind of sparingly through two games. So again, the, you know, like you said, very small sample size, um, some stuff that, that you like, some stuff that you'd like to see get corrected. I think just the biggest theme though has been, you know, Micah Potter and him still not being cleared to play. And, it, you know, barring some sort of, you know, big change of mind by the NCAA, um, he's not going to play through the first 10 games, which is, Again, we, we've talked about it, and it's, it's, it seems just wild. Um, you know, as a guy like Joey Hauser still fighting to get cleared on his end, and if, if that were to happen, I can't imagine what uh, the sentiment would be in Madison. But, yeah, it just it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But now, you know, you're, you're two games in into the 10 that, uh, you know, Micah Potter is scheduled to miss, and uh, he, he would certainly be a welcome addition on this team. It's kind of like, you know, the perfect piece to add uh, you know, maybe the Wisconsin starting lineup is, you know, a, a guy that's going to rebound and score for you, a guy that has experience, a guy that has big time experience. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens at this front. But I guess, you know, going into this, I was very confident that something would happen. And now, you know, where we are, I don't, I don't see anything changing. Right. And I think too, for those, I don't, I don't think we necessarily touched on it in our last podcast episode, but at least off of my memory on a, on a foggy Sunday morning, at least in my brain, but Micah Potter, they request and UW requested this. Greg guard had confirmed it, that he, that Wisconsin requested a telephone hearing with the NCAA committee for legislative relief. And long story short with that, it, you know, basically they were trying to request this. And if it is granted, they have the, the committee, this is supposed to happen within 10 days of the, approval from what it sounds like to to convene and it allows according from greg guard his perspective a couple of fridays ago basically breaking down he had you know you have the ability to get micah and uw his micah's representation and, and, and this committee all on a telephone hearing so that the ohio state transfer can verbally discuss and make his case as to why he should be eligible now and we talked about it, you know, through our DMs on Twitter, John, just talking about how Micah Potter was granted a one-time waiver by the NCAA to travel with the team to South Dakota, to Sioux Falls for the Wisconsin St. Mary's contest. We'll see what happens down the road coming uh, forward with any contests that are forthcoming uh, down. I know in Brooklyn, they have uh, towards the end of the month, but we'll see just what comes out of Micah Potter's situation. And we, we have not heard any updates for those that know about, we don't know if it was granted. We don't know if there was a telephone hearing yet. Uh, we'll work to ask UW to see if they, you know, what the updates have been in that regard too. But you know, more on that as the news continues to break there, you already hit on Nate Reavers. You hit Kobe King. He had a big day attacking the rim. I think two themes that I like one is the free throw attempts. They made 20 of 24 on Friday against Eastern Illinois. We talked about them trying to have an inside presence once Ethan Happ left. You're seeing Nate Reavers make all five of his attempts. King hit eight of 10. 
that's a welcome sign for Wisconsin, especially if they don't. And this goes to my second point. Their shooting was poor from beyond the three-point line. For the season, they're shooting just 21.6%. That's not going to cut it. And that's why the contest against Eastern Illinois was so close. I mean, Eastern Illinois brought it within three points with under nine minutes to play in regulation. And then Wisconsin went on a 15-0 run to essentially ice the game from there. But when you don't have that three-point shooting and this team's going to need to – Ethan Happ wasn't a three-point shooter, but they need to you know, use that swing offense, create opportunities, find that extra pass – then drain it. So again, we'll see. It's still early on. We'll see how they improve, but a couple of things that I noticed on that end, John, what's coming up though, this week, as we wrap up this edition of the, of the podcast, what's coming up on our main website on badgerblitz.com. Yeah. You know, recruiting reaction from the guys around campus this weekend uh, rolls right into the week. You know, obviously you're going to begin Nebraska prep uh, Wednesday is signing day for hoop. So uh, Greg Gard and his staff will be able to comment about the guys in the 2020 class. Uh, three of them were on campus this weekend, and uh, Jonathan Davis, Jonathan Davis, and Ben Carlson. Uh, they'll be joined by Stephen Crowell and Lauren Bowman, and then you know Carter Gilmore as well as a preferred walk-on. So um, it's a big class for Wisconsin. It's an important class, and uh, you know maybe we can hear the story about Greg Gard almost getting on a plane to California to recruit someone as Ben Carlson uh, came and uh, committed over the phone, which I believe caused them to. I'm not sure the story, if they actually went out to California or if they got themselves off the plane. So uh, maybe maybe Greg Gard can kind of fill us in on the Ben Carlson commitment story on Wednesday when he's officially uh, able to comment on the recruits in the 2020 class. And of course, folks, we'll have more reactions. We'll have Nebraska previews. We'll have Iowa recaps. I'll have, a, you know, like I said, later today, we'll have a couple articles up. Uh, as well, just talking about the game and that two-point conversion stop that I mentioned earlier. You can find all that on badgerblitz.com, wisconsin.rivals.com, our Facebook group, Wisconsin Badgers on badgerblitz.com. And then for Twitter, follow John at McNamara Rivals, me at Jake Coco, K-O-C-O, and the official badgerblitz.com account at badger underscore blitz. And we should also include our, yeah, we should just include our intern too. That's Asher Lowe, our staff writer. He is at at or a low underscore 33. And he did a great job, by the way, in the BTN, BTN plus broadcast for those that have that subscription. He's, he does games there. So uh, I think he's a future broadcasting star in my opinion, but on that note too, in terms of broadcasting and podcasting, follow us with uh, badger blitz podcast. You can listen on Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, tune in. And then uh, also on the score wi.com. That is the score up in Mattis, uh, up in Appleton in the Fox Valley area. BJ DeGroote and Brian Butch love talking with those guys uh, pretty much every week or every other week uh, during my during some radio hits up there. And they have that podcast up on their website. So those are some great avenues there. Make sure to give us some reviews. We want to make this the best ba- uh, Wisconsin Badgers podcast out there. What can we do to improve it? We're all ears. We've taken some feedback already in the past couple of months and we've implemented it. We want to, again, we want to make this the best podcast available. So you get all your information. If you're traveling, if you're just wanting to listen on a, on a day, this is what help us out. And of course, five-star reviews are always welcomed. That helps us boost the popularity. And again, continue to reach more and more audiences that follow the Cardinal and white. So again, tune in more of this week. We got a lot more coming from the recruiting trail on the field and near the rim. 
This has been the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media.